Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to I Know That Face, the only podcast which honours the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. I'm Christopher Lee. This episode, we're doing things a little bit differently to mark Halloween. Instead of a character actor, we're diving into the subgenre of folk horror, and helping us do that as returning guest, and our personal May Queen, Katie McGrath. Welcome back. How have you been? Or is it Katie McGrath? No, no, McGrath, fine, yeah. Okay, Grant. Slay. Grant, <laughs> that was I'm Stephen Portio, yeah. if anyone cares. Yeah. Thank you, um... <laughs> Thank you, co-host Christopher Lee. <laughs> you can return to your crypt now. <laughs> oh, yes. And I am born in May, so I am a May Queen. Oh, okay. oh. Cool. make me a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, have you been, Katie? I've been good. Thank you for having me back again for the first. Much demanded. Yes. Anyone I know who's come to me about the show is like, I love the Katie episodes. Oh, honoured. So. I always get the really good ones, though. In yeah. fairness, Listen. and folk horror is probably one of my all-time favorite. It's. I wouldn't be. It's. Is it? It's not a subgenre. I don't think. I think that's we true. I said subgenre, yeah. and in particularly in that uh, the hundred ninety five minute documentary Woodlands, <laughs> mm. Dark and Days Bewitched, yeah. they make a whole point at the end where it's like it's not actually a subgenre. It's something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just a vibe. It's just a, straight vibes. Do you have a history of? I do. Folk horror? Yes, yeah. I do have a history of folk horror called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, which Kirla Janice is actually suing me for. Um, but, um, <laughs> <clears throat> I thought it was weird that she's a talking head in her own movie that she directed. It's a little strange. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do the same. Yeah, sure. That's a fair point. I think I yeah. do the same as well. Yeah, yeah. just to tie yeah. things yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. myself and I. Um, anyway, <clears throat> folk horror is a subgenre of horror. There, I did it again. <laughs> folk horror is a genre of horror <laughs> with a basis in folklore and pagan religions, which it uses to tell its stories and scare its audiences. Originating with late 19th and early 20th century li- horror literature, folk horror has been a constant background aspect of horror like a dark figure at the edge of the tree line or mysterious blood-stained standing stones. Just a bit of colour. That's just for me. Yeah. Uh, in the late 1960s, an unholy trinity of folk horror films were produced, beginning with Michael Reeves's Witchfinder General in 1968, followed by Piers Haggard's The Blood on Satan's Claw in 1971, and Robin Hardy's The Wicker Man in 1973. Much of this has to do with the countercultural movement of the late 60s, bringing with it a renewed fascination with nature, folklore, the occult, and the back to the land movement that saw increased migration from urban centres to the countryside in both America and the UK. The subgenre, 
did it again. Uh, I guess it just is a subgenre, uh, just for this episode. Uh, <laughs> maintained a consistent, if not necessarily popular, presence in the latter decades of the 20th century in TV series and films such as Pendus Fen, The Owl Service, Children of the Stones, A Ghost Story for Christmas, The Dark Secret of Harvest Home, Children of the Corn, Beasts, and various episodes of Doctor Who. Many Asian horror films, especially in the southeast of the continent, around Korea, Thailand, Indo- Indonesia, and Malaysia, can be considered folk horror, such as the films Mystics in Bali, Nang Nak, Satan Slaves, The Devil Take You, I think that's the one. May the Devil Take May You. May the Devil Take yes. You. The Devil Take You too. Who knows? Devil Soap. Uh, in Pettigore and The Medium. Pettigore, really good. Never seen it. Must get around to it. In recent years, folk horror has experienced a mainstream resurgence in the West with Robert Eggers' The Witch and Ari Aster's Midsommar leading the charge. The 2021 documentary by Kirla Janice, Woodlands, Woodlands Dark and Dies Bewitched, a history of folk horror, was instrumental in the rediscovery and examination of lost classics, hidden gems and modern folk horror fables, such as Eyes of Fire, The Wind and Alison's Birthday. In an increasingly modern world where the natural order and our knowledge of history are at their most fragile, folk horror remains an intense reminder to remember the past, respect our surroundings and to never, ever go beyond the pines. After dark. In the pines, in the pines, where the sun don't ever shine. (laughs) Well, that's very accurate now, I have to say. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Yeah. Any uh, broad thoughts on folk horror before we get into talking about specific movies? Um, I have a big rant. I've typed up my notes. Pop off, off, Queen. queen. So, obviously, like you said, it isn't really a subgenre. Well, we're going to keep calling it a subgenre because we're idiots. Because it's easy. Easy and idiotic. Uh, But it's always kind of been its own thing and it's hard to define and pin down because it touches upon key markers. But it really kind of is its own standalone genre now. Mm. In not Yeah, whatever. Subgenre, whatever. I don't care anymore. Uh, So, the big three are the big the meaty ones that get you into it I think and obviously they are like the counter culture movements of the 60s and 70s there's a good quote from Antichrist I think that really puts it well where um, nature is Satan's garden oh nature is Satan's church and I think that is kind of interesting where everything bad seems to happen in the woods and there's this fear of countryside and it's just very anti-Christianity and which is great love it and it kind of <laughs> goes off this uniquely British idea and this folky Britishness that ties into the old tales or concepts with the green man and this old pagan way of life which is fab Um, now it obviously does spread across the world naturally because every country has their own version and their own folklore and battle for the lands and conflicts between different belief systems but like your regular it's kind of difficult to pin down because like in other horror genres or subgenres it's kind of like your haunted house right it's kind of it's easy. It's a cut and dry. Your house is haunted. There's someone in there. Get out. Demon. Just leave. Same thing. Yeah. Same. There's a demon. Yeah. And then if there's yeah. a killer on the loose stabbing people, you're going to want to leave. And you stab everyone who has sex. You should leave. It's easy. But with folk, you kind of don't want to leave, I think is the interesting thing. Like you're kind of intrigued by the folk. And it's kind of this weird element of the uncanny and something that's kind of familiar, that's half forgotten. That you're kind of like you don't want to leave and you want to kind of folk around and find out, as I've kind of discovered. Like the folk the old ways don't always seem to be so bad. So with folk horror, they're always kind of morally grey, ambiguous, and they're a bit more complex than your your most of your horror films. Cause it's mm. it's never again it's never cut and dry in the sense that it's like sometimes the cult are bad and sometimes the priest is good. Like the big three from the seventies, like the Wicker Man. Blood and Satan's Claw like both are kind of 
people are having too much sex people are having not enough sex and there's mm. the church is in the wrong but then surely there's a middle ground here in Blood of Things yeah. Claw you're kind of like rooting for the priest which is weird like so mm. there's like never he's annoying in The Wicker Man yeah. yeah yeah he really is and he looks like Michal Martin yeah that's true yeah. he does yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're kind of like what are people's intentions what are their motives it's kind of very grey um, and it's you kind of ask yourself is it just a narrative choice or is it like stylistic aesthetic that trumps it that makes a folk but it's just kind of this like feeling I think within you the viewer of like this is similar but I don't know why like why is it so resonant with my own like me walking through the woods always feel like I'm a bit of folk hero mm, but yeah. um, I was in Longford this summer yeah. 10 steps behind the like <laughs> cabin we were staying in and it was literally like the Blair Witch Oh yeah, it was like deep dark tall pines and I was like I'm ready for it ten, this is 10 feet away <laughs> I'm staying 8 feet away at all times <laughs> uh, but it's very familiar and you don't know really why you're kind of yearning for this old way of life and maybe it kind of calls back to I think they do talk about it in the documentary this kind of call back to childhood and this like natural or primitive yearning yearning to play um, so a lot of those like 70s British kid shows, mm. which is why I kind of think Watership Down is a big one, um, where they're just very creepy. And even in The Wicker Man, like the songs they use in The Wicker Man and kind of still kind of nursery rhymes to this day are very cheery and upbeat, but also the lyrics are very frightening mm. and dangerous. So it's kind of weird. And then um, what else do I have to say? Yada, yada, yada. Old customs, blah, blah, blah. Old customs in conflict in the old way. It feels very uncanny, unsettling. You don't know why. This impending dread, I guess, that comes with this idyllic way of life that you're starting to see. And to quote the old line, um, something wicked this way comes. It's like you don't know where it's coming from, but it's there. Yeah. Um, you have this disturbance of the ideal, the camp, pastoral scene that's normally typical of Britain, and their chilling chaos that's always lurking underneath that's waiting to spill over. Typical English. I know. It's given very Brit. Mm. The fear of the Brit, I think, is the main thing. Um, or a city slickers. I always think it's the fear of the countryside, the natural world, the barely tameable. Mm. Like it's always this isolated individual coming into this countryside environment and it's just not having it at yeah. all. Sometimes you get the reverse. Like, what's that Irish, the one that's set in Ireland? Is it the Hallow? I Hallow. love the Hallow. Yeah. Yeah. The Hallow's great. Yeah. It's the English couple and their son that moved to... Somewhere in Ireland yeah. anyway. And uh, and another guy who looks like Michael Martin. Is Ma- Michael McElhatton. Who, <laughs> who should actually play like the way they had Hawhey yeah. or Charlie or whatever that Aidan Gillen show was called. Yeah. They should just have one called Martin with Michael <laughs> Hatton. And that's really funny because the English are like, oh, we're here to survey the land. And Michael McElhatton's like, no, go away. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind of this culture, this culture of countryside versus like the city slickers, I think. Mm. But I could go into like the pastoral what is the pastoral you know what I mean because for me I wrote down like the pastoral is land worked and dominated by man and folk horror is a disruption of the aggressive rejection of that way of life and the woods are kind of returning and reclaiming themselves Mm. and you could kind of have that disruption of the male dominated pastoral with this woods witch feminine energy stuff that kind of comes usually in contact like when you come onto our podcast exactly (laughs) yeah we're just living breathing folk Yeah, no, it's all true. I, there's a couple of things. One, I'm still recovering from folk around and find out. Um, <laughs> two, when I was young, I used to be in like a choir and my mom sometimes would get me to sing that song from Watership Down in front of her friends. Bright eyes. <laughs> Bright eyes. 
is burning like fire. Thank you, Art Garfunkel. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, my kind of big takeaway from watching the Woodlands documentary is that, like, I think before seeing it, I wouldn't have had a succinct definition for folk horror. Mm-hmm. And I think my thoughts of it were pretty narrow, like, Midsummer and the Witch are folk horror because spooky stuff happening in woods. Mm-hmm. But, like, there is this kind of, like, underpinning thing. And, like, I, I tried to summarize it, but sort of a slippery category mm-hmm. for movies. But I was, like, basically, like, horror set in rural locations, which feature supernatural elements or a lot of discussion about the supernatural. But the supernatural elements have to be from a real or fictional type of folklore. So sort of stories passed down through generations about like superstitions or folk mm. religions that were once popular but aren't so much now compared to like you know the dominant religions and so like I always think of like in Wicker Man where how he's like to summarize like he brought you up to be a pagan when he's talking about his dad and <laughs> he's like a heathen conceivably but not I hope an enlightened one um, <laughs> yeah and like I think folk art can be set in the past or the present but I think like the tension of the movie as you say is like the lead characters see themselves as sort of like modern and educated and wise in the way of the world and they're being confronted with this older, different approach to mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and the kind of clash between that and I think like rural locations are important to folk horror because like cities are symbols of modernity and what's interesting is that like three of the folk horrors I watched for this, a major plot point is buildings being built on top of pagan sites and the negative impacts of that and I think that's a really interesting point I hadn't considered is that like in folk horror in a lot of these movies, there's always an opportunity where they can leave and they can't. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, true. Yeah, in Borderlands, in The Wicker Man, they even like they said in The Wicker Man, like we could, you could take the boat out, but it might take a couple of days to go back to the mainland. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna go back to <laughs> yeah. the thing, and everything goes horribly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and the thing, usually it's the supernatural thing, but with the when you compare the three of them together. The first one is obviously Witchfinder General. But like that's not really that supernatural. Like there's no real magic in that. I but that for some reason yeah. no is the, in the Wicker Man. No. Yeah. yeah. And that is like the pinnacle of the whole genre in itself, which is I find very interesting. Yeah, it's funny that yeah. we get oh, into the whole yeah. tradition. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well do you have a lead in do you want to do or I didn't rewatch kinda... Witchfinder General Blood mm-hmm. and Satan's Claw. So mm-hmm. I was yeah. gonna leave that to you or you know, if you want to talk about it. I don't know how much in depth you want to go or because we just you did it up for Vincent Price, Witchfinder yeah, General. Yeah, we can lightly touch on the first yeah, two. Yeah. I will say it's like it's it's sort of weird that the Blood on Satan's Claw is the only one that's in any way supernatural. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> like okay, like the Wicker Man sort of leaves open to uh, interpretation that these pagan gods exist and are restoring like the the f- helping grow the fruits and vegetables of, of, on Summer Isle but also so it's a big like, if like it's a big it's if. not guaranteed it's a, it's a real think, reach yeah yeah. yeah. And Christopher Lee's character is kind of like I think there's a bit of worry in his eyes at the very end mm. shot because it's like yeah. what if it doesn't yeah. work yeah. <laughs> they're going to yeah. kill me <laughs> Whereas in the Blood and Saints Claw, they find, they're finding like a deformed skeleton that they're trying to rebuild. Yeah. The youth goes crazy because of it. Crazy sexy um, teens. Shame on your child. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the kid is so good, Linda Hayden. Mm, yeah. yeah, she's great in it, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and they're like growing patches of fur uh, on themselves. The eyebrows get real bushy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's the only one where that anything actually supernatural happens mm-hmm. in it. Um, and which I think is kind of where the I think the witch takes its cue more from Blood and Satan's Claw and Eyes of Fire and maybe Witchfinder General as well but um, I think Midsommar would take its cue more from like the Wicker Man yes yeah, mm-hmm. and stuff like that so I think you've got like mm. two roads diverged in a yellow wood and one led to a witch's cabin and the other led to a cult whose we were uncertain if they're um, 
God was real or not. That's great. I'm loving the metaphors. <laughs> really doing it. It's, and it's a genre that lends itself to that it does, sort of symbolism. Yeah. yeah. Um, all I remember about Blood Saints Call, it's a movie, I think it's like the funnest of these three movies, but probably the least essential. Like it's kind of like a bit of a yarn. I sort of agree. Yeah. And doesn't it kind of end with like a crazy action scene just out of nowhere? Like the yeah, whole movie sort of slow. comes along with a sword and just slaughters all the kids. <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember that feeling a bit... Um, just like out of a different movie. Mm. No. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of, children are always, I think, just very creepy. But like children that are discovering their sexuality and are like so open and freakishly honest about it, it's mm. kind of like, oh, Jesus. Even the fact that was this happening in the 70s. <laughs> in The Wicker Man, the kids are in on it. Yeah. Like they, yeah, they yeah. he goes to the classroom and they're learning about all this stuff that you probably shouldn't be teaching kids. <laughs> and... Or maybe so. Or maybe, maybe listen, so. look, at these are different yeah. ways. Um, it was a different time. Look, they have some great ideas. Ostensibly <laughs> more conservative. people. But um, they go along with the, like, they know their friend mm. is not missing, but they pretend like yeah, she never yeah, existed. Yeah. You know, like, Bareface liars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he calls them out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little liars. <laughs> That's not bad. Thanks. Yeah. I feel like the witch fighter general was so successful. It was, what, wasn't it? Like, it was very popular. I think it was quite yeah. successful, yeah. I mean, I think it was a commercial success, but yeah. I don't think the critics liked it as much. And, it just and then Michael Reeves, you know, died, and right. it, and a lot of a lot of people were like, "Oh shit, the poor guy! <laughs> what what great films he made!" <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty fascinating movie in the Vincent Price of it all, in that he made these very heightened kind of, I would say, little bloodless horrors, and then this one is like a pretty violent rejection of that, where yeah. it's like, yeah. no, this was it was based on true story, and it really doesn't shy away from like the kind of nastiness of that story yeah yeah. no yeah it's the violence in it is kind of I already watched it for the first time last week and it was quite shocking I didn't realise mm. it was so um, gruesome and cruel I suppose and it just shows that it's like the society back then people were horrible it reminds me of like I would never want to be alive yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like something with like, none of the funny gags yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> like Flesh and Blood or Benedetta or yeah, something yeah. Yeah. and it's so bleak the whole way through and there's not a lot of music in it and then that end scene as well like you're kind of like oh the bad guy's slain and the lady is safe but it's like no the lady is traumatized mm-hmm. and everyone is and traumatized so is the guy. The and guy, the guy yeah. just can't yeah. stop screaming yeah, you took it from me you took it from me yeah. Um, that's why I, I just I find it a hard movie to rewatch. I, I watched yeah. it when I was really younger, and I, I kind of I feel like I remember everything that happens, but I just couldn't bring myself to revisit it. Yeah, <laughs> especially there was a lot of folk horror I hadn't seen that I wanted to kind of like catch yeah. up on. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's strange as how it's in the witch witchfinder general. It's kind of like the reverse in that instead of a stranger arriving to like this area he sees as corrupted by like um, nature, I guess um, <laughs> it's. Uh, the stranger arriving and he is the corruption. He's like the thing that turns everyone against each other. Exactly. Yeah. And then he perverts the natural order of oh. society. Who knows? Yeah, but it's We're just mixing kind of our metaphors this, again. Like folk horror always kind of there's always an element of supernatural and the woods and all this stuff, but there is this kind of group think psychology of cults that happens. Mm. And I guess that happens mate like originally in the Witchfinder General. Yeah. Like they're just following this man around and throwing people off bridges thinking it's fine. And then there's that bit at the end, like in the middle, where he's like, "Oh, she was innocent," and no one's upset about it. Yeah, yeah. So they just kind of go along with it so easily. Well, I yeah. think it's interesting that there was talk a couple of years ago that they were going to do a remake of Witch Finder General, and that John Hillcoat was going to direct it, Nicholas Winograd was going to produce, Ooh. and I kind of have mixed feelings about that because, like, I'm sure it would be good. Mm. Yeah, They're, they seem like the right people to kind of like approach this. And may, maybe make it a bit more modern, and like this, you know, there's certain things in the old movie. I imagine I feel pretty rickety. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but. It it sort of feels like the movie's been done. Like it's it's pretty yeah, it's a good yeah. statement. But I, I kinda get 
the reasons of wanting to remake it because it's sort of a story about fake news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're dead right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it is, and mob mentality. Yeah, so. it's yeah. like it's that kind of trickles through all of the, the big three. Yeah, there's a few films yeah. that like who. Whose themes align with others in the subgenre, and that a person who claims to have the, like the natural order on their side uses it to further uses it to further their own agenda or take as much as they can before they're found out. Like they, like Lord Summerisle and Matthew Hopkins, who's Vincent Price and which one in general, both have like Lyle Lanley energy. You remember the your man from the Monorail episode? Of the <laughs> oh, yeah. Monorail. Yeah, you can. You can Is there see. any chance these tracks will bend? <laughs> not in your, not in your life, my Hindu friend. Um, but you can see them fleeing the scene with bags of cash once they've been made. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, they have that kind of energy. Yeah, like there is a like Lord Samurai is this gentry figure. Like there's always kind of this classist, but like yeah, element yeah. to it as well. Like there's a real talking power down to yeah. the the folk. Yeah, there's the bit the where he's at, he's at the <laughs> yeah. piano and the school teacher is like lying on the floor in repose. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there is like there's always this uh, class element to he it. He's a butler. Like, Fuck that. Yeah. Guy. He's like I'm just a cool hippie guy, <laughs> but it's like I'm not giving up the butler, and I'm not giving up the piano. <laughs> I understand you're looking for a missing girl. I found her. Splendid. In her grave. Your lordship is a justice of the peace. I need your permission to exhume her body, have it transported to the mainland for a pathologist's report. You suspect uh, foul play? I suspect murder. And conspiracy to murder. In that case, you must go ahead. Your lordship seems strangely unconcerned. I'm confident your suspicions are wrong, Sergeant. We don't commit murder up here. We're a deeply religious people. Religious? With ruined churches. No ministers, no priests. And children dancing naked. They do love their divinity lessons. But they are... are naked. Naturally, it's much too dangerous to jump through the fire with your clothes on. What religion can, can, can they possibly be learning Jumping over bonfires. Parthenogenesis. What? Uh, Literally, as Miss Rose would doubtless say in her assiduous way, reproduction without sexual union. Oh, what is all this? I know he wears a wig at the end of that film, do you think Lord Summerisle's natural hair is also a wig? Wig on wig. Wig on wig, yeah. I, I never thought about it, but I think what I sort of love about The Wicker Man is that by the end of it, it's all been a ruse. So I'm a little bit like, are they as weird as they were presenting it? Even though what they do at the end is really heinous. Yeah. But everything has been done to sort of like put Howdy in a certain position. Yeah. Yeah. I mean? yeah. Well, they're kind of, because I looked at it and they're like, they're trying to trick him, obviously, uh, but also test him. So it's like, if he, like he... What the, if what, he the, slept with Britt Ackland... Yeah, would, would would he have saved himself? Like yeah. they couldn't yeah. have killed him because he wouldn't yeah. be a virgin anymore. And, you know, that's kind of like, oh, you should have just... He should have just fucked around. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of, yeah. And found out. And yeah. Found out. yeah. And, um, so it's kind of like, do they want him to be this really good person or do they genuinely are like, oh, will he have sex with this woman? Mm. Like, I can't tell what their intentions are. Yeah, but it, I think it plays into that thing we were talking about in our last episode where with a good horror movie, you, you sort of want to have a good mix of plot and vibes. Yeah. yeah. Where <laughs> Plibes. Plibes. Yeah. You don't want to be taken out of the story everybody being like that doesn't make sense yeah. but you also don't want to like explain every little detail mm. because like ambiguity is scary yeah. you know and like having an off kilter energy that's sort of hard to pin down is kind of what brings you back to yeah. the horror movie yeah. and I think the thing is is that it's like 
it has to be his own choice. Mm. It has to be of his own free will that he um, becomes the sacrifice. So, like, I guess they'd just have to find someone else um, in the incredibly short time that they have if he did have sex with Britt Eklund. That's also a police fan, a virgin. And what was the other one? There was like a three. fool. A fool, yeah. 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 He is a fool. Which yeah. He also is, yeah. Um, I love the bit in the movie. There's so much weird stuff in the movie because I like it's a great screenplay. It's a strange, strange movie. It's great screenplay. It's a musical as well. There's so much loud yeah. folk music but also there's the bit where you think he's going to have a hero moment and he like grabs the kid and he like runs off yeah. and like this cheesy cop music score yeah, from like yeah. an old TV show kicks in and then there's also like the weird overdubbing of Rick Eklund's voice mm. and um kind of scenes that go on slightly too long or these like dream sequences or scenes that feel like dream sequences but are actually happening in reality where the yeah, film yeah. goes all strange and I think you could like ding the movie for that mm. direction like and there's one or two moments where it maybe takes me out but it does really contribute yeah. to this off-kilter energy yeah. and I think but it, I think it's telling that the movie is like it's Anthony Schaefer's The Wicker Man who's like instead wrote of instead of Robin Hardy yeah. because like mm. the screenplay is so rock mm-hmm. solid and like yeah. can you imagine like being in the cinema and like seeing that twist it must have it still played really well for me now having seen it a couple of years ago but being a bit like foggy on certain mm. details yeah. but if I went in completely blind it would be like the sixth sense <laughs> for me you know? uh, yeah because I think it got delayed it didn't have it's a big major release when it was finished because the producer they swap producers uh, the producer that was on it, I think, was the producer on Don't Look Now. So he has right. a habit of making deadly films. And then I think the other producer came on and didn't like it. And he just buried it for ages and then showed Roger Corwin, who was like, oh, I would do this, this and this. And they did loads of changes. So then they reduced the runtime and chopped a load of stuff on it. And then they released it as a double feature with Don't Look Now. Like, imagine seeing that for the first time. Bangers. Bangers. Back to back bangers. Because I watched... The version on the DVD I watched was the original cut. I yeah. know there's like an extended one. There was like a, a one that's like 100 minutes and then they released a director's cut that's like 95 minutes. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. like, we're the one we put in way too much stuff. Now this one's <laughs> the right one. But even like the 84 minute one like played really great. Yeah, I think the 84 minute is just you're in, you're out. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's fab. Has anyone ever watched either the Nicolas Cage remake? Yes, yes. It is. No. <laughs> um, or The Wicker Tree, the sequel. I haven't seen The Wicker Tree. You haven't seen the... The remake Nicolas of the Cage, movie? no. What? I've, I've only seen the, the memes. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The bees. I've seen the bees. <laughs> the, Not bees. the bees! Which is only in like an alternate version of the yeah. movie. Yeah, it's strange. It's weird because obviously it's trash. You, you got to look at it like it's pure comedy because it is. But it's got an interesting concept where they they flip the gender in it. Where the Lord Summer Isle is like, I don't know, Lady Summer Isle or yeah, Miss Summer Isle. Yeah, it's island, a matriarchal yeah. society and men are like slaves. So that's a cool concept. And that yeah. does happen with folk horror in general. There's like, I kind of wrote somewhere that it's like, a, so they're not necessarily flipped their genders, but their feminine energy most of the time is seen as the ultimate power. And that's in the original Wicker Man where they're like praising this sun goddess. Like they're like sacrificing all this to her. So yeah, what is that? What is what, sir? What is that? Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't just get like, it. It's a very, like, yeah. it's a, it is a Gender very and shit. emasculating yeah. genre, I think, because, like, of all the, of all the characters in, um, you, know, you could argue against this as well, but of all the characters in, like, um, uh, folk horror, I think the men suffer more because, mm. you know, William in The Witch really goes through it. <laughs> yeah. The poor guy. The, the kid? No, the, uh, the, the, the dad. dad. Oh, the yeah. dad, yeah, yeah, but the dad, he... Yeah, he led them out there he's in the first fool. place. Yeah. But he's he's a fool, yeah. But he loves his family, and I, you I feel think, sympathetic. You yeah, feel, that's what yeah. I love about the witches. You but feel I don't sympathy think he for does everybody. love his family. I think he's very proudful. 
Like mm. He doesn't. I don't think he did it there's, for like if he wa- loved his family, he would have stayed. There's the he bit just, where he wished. prays and he's like, "I've been a fool. Yeah, yeah, my yeah, son of yeah. pride. I don't care what happens to me. Save my family." Where you do feel for him. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. And I think the more I've watched it, the more I've felt for him. To be honest, um, and to see you could say the same. Like, yeah, Kate Dickey lo- was really. Like that was kind of the heart of the movie for me this time I watched it. Mm. Yeah, I kind of wrote somewhere that um somewhere in my notes <laughs> <laughs> that folk horror is usually a celebration of the female form, with female reproduction being praised and people wanting to sacrifice animals and humans to please it or please a goddess deity. Blah blah blah. Uh, there's always a lot of births, rebirths, the power of menstrual blood, mm. and the curse that usually comes with it. So lots of witches, witchy ways. Mother, mother nature. Miss mother, mother nature yeah. herself. Yeah. Queen Mama. Nature is so mother. Yeah. <laughs> My gay housemate's going to kill me for that. <laughs> um, I'll cut that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so no one's seen The Wicker Tree. I weirdly have I seen haven't. that. I, I watched it years it ago just being completionist. It's got interesting things in it, but I remember thinking it doesn't work and it feels cheap. Right, yeah. 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 What it, happens? In, like, is there... It's like set on like another island or mm. isolated community and it's about these two Texan evangelists who are lured to this ice like one of them's Jeez. a pop star and they're lured to this place and then there's like a whole plot about <laughs> nuclear power it's okay very unusual when did um, it come out 2011 or 2012 it was pretty recent and I remember there being kind of a lot of anticipation for it and then it came out and everyone was a bit like this is you know everyone everyone was very polite yeah yeah. where it's like it's great that you got to make this yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we move on from the Wicker Man and maybe talk about because like the three movies we all mentioned there were British but there mm-hmm. as Ooh. this Woodlands documentary Ooh. points out there is this like um, folk horror waves all over the world yeah. you know mm-hmm. yeah. um, you watched Alison's Birthday Guilty as charged <laughs> yeah, yeah, shout yeah. out to Tog who had to watch it with me she really enjoyed it I thought it was trash <laughs> <laughs> um, it was good just the thing that drives me insane about these kind of in horror, it's in the Halloween franchise. The inability to pronounce sound correctly makes me Sam Hain. Sam Hain. Yeah, Halloween too. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alice Birth. It's good. It's kind of like a a fluffy Australian cult film. Like it's just like you don't really know why. You don't really care. They're just people are showing up. The cult is there, but it's it, it's good. But there's a lot of people just running around chasing each other, so that's not really that scary. Mm. Tog did scream at the people in the suits and there's like a golf cart moment or a doom buggy the guy drives around. have you seen it? no <laughs> oh shit okay yeah, no no I, I don't care but um, I was just like I didn't I pick, imagine you saying doom buggy yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it I was, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like um, so there's this woman Alison and for some reason yeah she's born and then it like cuts to like 19 years later and she's kind of cursed uh, for some, and her parents have died and she's raised by her aunt and her uncle and they're really like she's lives somewhere else and they're really eager to get her back for her 19th birthday and she's like I'm not going to do the accent she's like I don't really know why why is it a big deal it's not like my tw- I'm going to try and do it it's not like my 21st or my 18th it's alright that's alright yeah. yeah. um, and Alison has a boyfriend um, and he comes over and he stays with his uncle and the uncle and auntie are quite creepy and they just really want to hang out with Alison all the time um, and they just keep giving her drinks it's like don't drink that girly don't drink the milk don't drink the herbal milk tea that they're giving you it's Ooh. whack um, sage milk yeah no. <laughs> milk of magnesia <laughs> and she is a sleepy girly the whole time and they put on this necklace that is like draining her 
or something and there's an old lady in the bed that's her like it's clearly trying to warn her but they're like oh don't worry about this great aunt great grandma that you didn't know about she's just tired from her journey from Britain and it's like that woman is 110 years old she did not fly from England like stop um, but anyway there's just a lot of they won't let her leave the house they're in robes and then eventually Alison does die or her she's her body is swapped I wasn't really paying that much attention to it because it really didn't keep me on the loop and then the biggest horror is literally like this chase scene with the boyfriend the boyfriend's actually the hero he's trying to do he's trying to help his gal um, but he's Good literally man. just driving around in his little doom buggy and people like other cult members are just chasing him in like suits and that's it like that. there's no real there's no real supernatural horror to it it's just like there's supernatural things happening but they're not scary and they're not stopping him it's the people getting in his way <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah. To be honest, it's a weird chasing. Should I have like a folk horror section? I think there's some really good stuff in there. Yeah, but there was a couple ones true. that That's I was where like, I, got it from. I wanted to dive into. And then yeah. I look at the plot synopsis. I look at the trailer, and I was like, I'm not really getting what vibe this yeah, movie is. Yeah, or, you yeah. know, I made that um, mistake with Alison's birthday, and what was the other one? Eyes of Fire. No, I didn't try that one. I watched Eyes of Fire. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. You liked Eyes of yeah, Fire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it? it was like a set found footage one. Oh, um, bollocks. Jesus, Go on. it's Anything. Australian as well. Another Austra- Lake Mungo. Yes, Andrew, that's it. Yeah, Andrew beloved well, movie. Yes. One of my favorites. Yeah, I, it was very chilling, but I yeah, was very yeah. confused. I was like, "Where's the gun? Where's the folk? What's happening?" Yeah, in, in fairness, it's not. I don't think it's a folk horror. No, because it's got. I don't think yeah. it's got anything to do with like folklore. No, it's the only nature thing it has to do with is um, it's it's like the the inciting event of the film happens in. Uh, a dry lake bed yeah like Mungo they're like uh, we have to tie it in somehow yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not even nearby yeah. like they have to drive there like it's not like they're on like ancient burial ground yeah and it's set almost the totally in the in the Australian suburbs yeah. I think there was they make an argument in the Woodlands documentary that Lake Mungo if it's not explained in the movie but is like a site of like um Aboriginal, Aboriginal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fairness, if that's true, then fair enough. But, but you would have, I if didn't you would have helped yeah, to have that one movie. line. In the movie. I would have yeah, liked yeah. someone to be like, oh my gosh, yeah. look um, over here. I will say it's such a slippery genre that there were a couple of times watching the Woodlands movie where they would mention something. Mm-hmm. And a couple of times I'd be like, oh, I never thought about the fog as being a folk car, but it kind of is. Mm. In that, like, it literally yeah, begins yeah. with a piece of folklore and is about kind of like. I'm not accepting that. Well, yeah, because well, that's just that, a ghost. Story. I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah. I think yeah. it's sometimes it's like it has folk horror elements, but the vibes of another genre are more strong. Because mm-hmm. I'd yeah, say the same yeah. thing about the wailing, mm. which they threw out. Yeah, which I'm like, yeah, I see yeah. it's folk okay. horror, but I think of it as kind of a supernatural cop drama. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Same with like um, Noroi the Curse. Yeah, has folk yeah, elements, but it's yeah. sort of a lot of it takes place in the city. That's but is true. that kind yeah. of like? Mm, yeah, is is that kind of like Asian folk horror takes place more in the city than? The that, British one. Like, is that just true. kind of yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. unique there to is each def- There is the whole section of Norway the Curse where they go to, like, the area that's been flooded. Yeah, And yeah. that's, I would say, that whole bit's folk horror. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they wrote the stuff that they mentioned, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and they'd be like, it's kind of a folk horror when you think of it. And I'm like, I don't think it is. Really? Because yeah, yeah. I was going to be like, Texas, I would not... An what's American... folk horror about it? Well, I... Like... What's, what's folklore-ish about it? Well, they're just in the country. I like fell into this thing of like exploitation. Yeah. I kind of discovered that recently, and obviously that falls into it. And there's just like yeah, like this rural community. These people are coming in from the city, not invited, and just walk in, and then they're shocked that they're getting murdered. So they're and they're like annoyed by their way of life, which they haven't asked them to partake in. Um, 
And yes, they do get eaten. But, you know, they if they didn't just walk in, that wouldn't have happened. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so, I, like, I think... It's just kind of, I think it's folky. And it's in, set in a rural place. Yeah. So, like, maybe that's the argument. I know but, there's um, no supernatural element, but, like, it's kind of... Yeah, the family do have a weird group think mentality where they're like they think eating people is okay, and that's obviously not okay. Well, I don't know. But they are sort of a cult. Yeah, in their they own are way. quite culty. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, do, it that's the thing. It doesn't have to be supernatural to be folk horror. Yeah. but I think there needs to be discussion of the supernatural. I think American folk horror is a little different. Like it's a bit more the exploitation thing, where it's like deliverance. Are we count? I, I'd bat for deliverance to be a folk horror because it's actually terrifying. <laughs> Two and things. I don't think it is, but also I've never seen it. Have you not? <laughs> I only saw it last year and I was like, still to this I've day, I can hear the screams yeah, yeah. of like deliverance. I think deliverance, it's like nature and man, man trying to dominate nature and losing. And then they're fighting with these people, these local people that Heal folk. Yeah, there we go. Heal folk horror. <laughs> yeah. We've got it. <laughs> <laughs> and they think they're better than everyone. And I think with the American, I guess, all does all folk horror have this element of classism or is it just the Brits and the Americans? Well, it's strange you should mention that because yeah. in Eyes of Fire, the one it's, that's the one set in America in mm. 1750, like colonial times. Yeah. The, it has a similar starting off point to The Witch where like this preacher and his kind of family and then extended friends are banished from this community but he's English mm. and it seems like everyone else is Irish it was a time of witchcraft of hangings of horror of magic they were outcasts on a desperate voyage to the promised land. What they found was a terrifying world. Lost in a forest far from home. In a valley, none would enter. That tree says that this valley is where the lost blood gathers. It's the home of the devil. It was made in 1983 and kind of forgotten for years yeah. until uh, until it was dug up um, during the like making of Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, <laughs> a history of folk horror. Okay, and, Tommy Shelby. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it kind of ends with the women and children, you know, being okay uh, mm. after this forest spirit has been terrorizing them on behalf of everything that's been killed in this like valley that they've found for shelter. Yeah. And the only person it actually harms, I think, well, it kills a few, it kills a few. Let's be real, um, it, mostly the men and the I think the preacher, the, yeah, the preacher, the the male preacher who's English it reserves for for last and kills him. So, um, yeah, fitting. Good movie. Yeah, uh, I was I'm over, and I yeah, didn't yeah, give I was, it a shot. Like I stupidly read the reviews or like the mm-hmm. comments and the shutter. At the bottom of Shudder. Oh, they they also suck. hateful. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Even for horror fans, it's like, oh God, we're all yeah. just falling for the same like common shit. 
Yeah. Everything oh horror does so bad, all the reviews are really shit. It's like, yeah. well the community's doing it to itself yeah, now yeah. on Shudder. Well there is a, that thing that happens I've noticed where a movie gets added to Shudder that like maybe it's not a straight horror, but it's yeah. actually like a really good movie and everyone's mm. like, oh, it's not a horror. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously. Um I think with the American ones and they, I guess because historically the way the America kind of became America itself yeah. uh, after the whole invasion um, yeah. there is this kind of with witch, with the set of witch trials and everything this kind of mass hysteria and like cult mentality kind of came from Britain and you see that in the American folk horrors more where there is like in the witch itself like there's like everyone wants to be right and everyone thinks that their cult and their religion is the most important and accurate and then they all just get swept up in this like hysteria moment or they kind of sacrifice their free will and like their minds get infected. I just think it's, there's an argument to be, I can't explain it, but there is an argument for American folk horror kind of following this, just being kind of more sheep, sheeple than the other countries folk horrors I think it's a great way for them uh, uh, probably better, a better way for them outside of like revisionist westerns to mm. like reckon with their nation's blo- really like violent and bloody history uh, like obviously there's a whole Native American aspect of this and the like oppression of them but there's also like the Salem Witch, witch yeah. Trials as you said and mm. um, I think this movie goes to show that as far back as the 80s American horror was trying to reckon with the nation's bloody history but the nation just wasn't ready to listen. Yeah, yeah and it's it is an oddity of a of a film in that it yeah. came out in the eighties when it was like the golden age of slashes. It came out in nineteen eighty three, and then there was stuff like Poltergeist horror. It was finally getting like really popular. The big books were rolling in, and have continued to roll in for mm-hmm. the last forty years. Whereas this one is trying to do something interesting, and then. Uh, it was kind of lay, lay abandoned for forty years, basically. Mm. Yeah. I just wondered, it's a kind of mirrored their the times that they come out in, mm. like the sick, like the Witchfinder General stuff. I saw. I think it was in the documentary that that came out, obviously around the Vietnam, Vietnam. Yeah. Mm. and that whole Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Often, again, yeah, yeah. there's a reaction to that. And it's kind of like they're the horrors there, and the kind of group mentality and cult esque stuff kind of mirrors what's happening in the real world. Which I think is a fair argument. Yeah, I think it's yeah. true. Cause, uh, and witch trials as well, that kind of stuff. And Eyes of Fire comes out in the yeah. 1980s, Reagan, you know, Reaganomics, Reagan era, and everyone is just willing to bury their heads in the sand about like you know the AIDS crisis, mm-hmm. financial crashes, the Iran-Contra affair, stuff like that. And that's that happens in this movie as well. Like there's fucking crazy shit going on around them. There's like the spirits <laughs> of dead settlers they're seeing everywhere. everywhere. There's this like... Uh, Native American child they adopt and try to baptise but it turns out she's an evil forest spirit who's like mm. made of burnt bark and all you see are her like yellow cat's eyes and um, and, everyone's, and everyone's just like hmm don't like the look of that troubling yeah yeah <laughs> Um, I, I, to be honest, I kind of suffer because I, I don't think I've really seen much American folk horror from the seventies and eighties. Mm. But there is, a, there is, a, I don't think there is much. You would, you've probably seen Pet. Oh my God, Steve! I, no, I was thinking about rewatching it because of the. Uh, yeah. And there's a new, there's a new one that just Bloodlines. came out. Bloodlines, yeah. Bloodlines, yes. Yeah. Um, probably not very good. Yes, I've heard. Well, the, the remake was not very good. That's there. also true. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there's a really good point. The ground is bad, and <laughs> so is this film. <laughs> I'm John Lithgow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love Pet Cemetery. I um, 
it's one of those trashy 80s films that I just can't I just watch he over and over fights his father-in-law over the child's coffin and yeah, just turns just like, the oh, coffin wrecking over yeah. trucks are scary babies are scary baby with knives are scary like it really hits on some yeah. core points cats are scary cats yeah. are scary yeah. But um, yeah, they make a point in this documentary in the well, documentary. Dead, documentary. dead cat specifically. I have a cat at home. He's not scary. No, not yet. I don't know. Not that's, he sneaks not up yet. on you. Didn't you say? He does sneak up on you. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, no, they make a point in this documentary that like a kind of staple of a lot of American horror from like the seventies and eighties is the idea of like an Indian burial ground. Yeah, and they're, they're like, like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, because yeah, there's exist. like so <laughs> many different Native American tribes that all have like different approaches to death, yeah. and they're like. So it's a bit racist, but they also say like, but if you think about it, all of America is an Indian burial yeah, ground, and yeah. you're like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> that is Spicy. kind of true. Yes. Um, just to highlight a couple of other international horrors, I watched one from Italy called Zetter, oh, yeah. um, which I'm not going to talk about too much, but because um, it was a little bit sleepy, but it did get kind of good towards the end. But it's about a guy who he's a struggling writer, and he gets an old typewriter from mm-hmm. a thrift store from his girlfriend, and he goes through it, and he sees all these weird messages starts to investigate it and he learns that there is this sort of like strange organization or cult that have discovered that there are these like certain sites in the world called K-Zones that if you bury someone there they come back to life and he kind of stumbles into a conspiracy it's pretty good but I wanted it to be a bit more pacey mm. um, I also just wanted to shout out the folk horror of Joko Anwar because he's got four movies in Shudder three of which he wrote and directed and one he just wrote and um, the one I really like is in Pedagore okay. um, which has one of the best opening scenes of any movie I've ever seen where it's about a it's a woman is at a um, toll booth like she's working like a night shift and it's really like secluded and she's on the radio to like a friend who's working on like another toll booth in another area and a guy is stalking her and then goes to attack her with a sword and it's like how she gets out of the situation it's really really good intense and almost so good that the movie can't really live up to it after mm-hmm. that but it's, it's <laughs> still pretty good yeah as you heard in the intro, this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts. There's plenty of other great shows to check out on the network. Here's a taster of one. Drag Race UK is back. And if you are watching and you want to hear some outrageous opinions, some glittering guests and some piping hot tea, tune in to Sissy That Pod with new episodes every Friday right after the episode airs. Brought to you by the Headstuff Podcast Network. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. Hate me because I listen to Sissy That Pod. I Know That Face are also delighted to finally get to tell listeners about Headstuff Plus. Headstuff Plus is the one-stop shop for everything on the Headstuff Podcast Network, Ireland's largest podcast network and the one to which I Know That Face belongs. If you're a fan of I Know That Face or any other shows on the network, become a member of Headstuff Plus and get bonus episodes of Headstuff shows, other exclusive content, merchandise, early access to live events and lots more. We here at I Know The Face have already recorded a handful of bonus episodes where myself and Andrew talk about more current news and releases in the world of film and TV. But also in the future, we have plans for more actor-themed series as well, along with releasing episode outtakes, accompanying articles, etc. All for Headstuff Plus subscribers. To sign up to Headstuff Plus, it's just €5 plus fat per month. When you sign up, no matter what show or shows you are supporting, you still get access to everything. All the bonus material for all the podcasts on the network. A lot of great podcasts. Plus, by doing so, you'll be supporting I Know The Face to bring you more top material. For all the details and to sign up, visit headstuffpodcasts.com. And now, back to the show. I'm just, uh, I wrote down a load of examples that are like, question mark, question mark? Oh yeah, uh, lay them on me. The Village. 
Yes, I, was, okay. I think it's a. Yeah. I think it is. I think it's a twist on a folk horror. A twist on yeah, folk horror. Yeah. yeah, obviously. Well, man, I think is a given. Yeah. Men. Remember we saw men together? Yeah. That was a, um, disappointing. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think when, I've talked about this with multiple people. Why um, is it disappointing though? I think it's too obvious in its themes. Yeah. But not obvious enough in like actual like A to B of like why is this happening? Yeah. Like I don't get why this may be an obvious one, but like I don't get why the boyfriend, why the boyfriend's face isn't, why is it Rory? Yes. Like, why is it like why is it he the boyfriend and then every other man is the boyfriend? Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, it's I think kind of, it's stuff like that. But it's also like like those the rules bit where don't... her phone is like yeah. getting like the electrical static. You're like, oh, that's gonna pay off, yeah. and it's kind of doesn't really make sense of why it would be affecting her. You kind of get caught up on weird plot stuff about movie. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of like I thought we get more green men or green man kind of like there was all this like the imagery there, but like there was I was just like a little like. A couple of lines about, oh, this is for this. I don't hate it because I think it's like I a good hate... primal scream of a movie, yeah. but I, in a way that's kind of like mother or something. Yeah, yeah. But I, it, I don't think it totally works. I know. I just remember like we watched it. That the end scene is hilarious. Like the whole yeah, yeah. birth upon birth upon birth. Like it's just us laughing and yeah. an IFI. That in small like Cinema screen. Three, yeah, and everyone, everyone else is like, "Oh my dead god!" Dead at, like yeah, yeah. not having it. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, and this men. Absolutely, I think yeah. that's a folk horror. You what do you that? think? Did you like that? No, I think I wanted another Cinema Three. Maybe I wasn't in the right headspace. It was very sleepy. It was very hot. I dragged a friend to see it. I wanted more folk. And that. I felt really bad that I dragged to see it because I didn't realise how minimalist it is. Yeah, neither. Did. I was so excited because I loved Bait, and I was like, oh. Mark Mark Jenkins, Jenkins yeah. Mark Jenkins plus a folk horror, sign me up. Yeah, turns out it's not a folk horror. Well, I wouldn't consider it a folk. It's folky, but it's more. It's like um, an experimental minimalist, very minimalist film. I wish it had like just twenty percent more plot or something I, know. I can kind of latch just, onto because yeah. I actually I think it's beautifully directed and I like it, it has a vibe. Okay, I, there's I, a vibe. There's yeah. definitely a vibe. But I love how textured everything is, and I and I think. Yeah. It really had me in its spell until I sort of realized that yeah. I was never going to get a handle on it. No. You know. It was like, I think the fourth time where we were watching this, the first shot again, the first scene, I was like, you know, he's fucking with us now. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> sure. is like, you know, like in college where um, where people were like, the lecturer was talking about like funny games as like punishment for the audience. It's like, <laughs> sure, why yeah, is he punishing yeah, yeah. us for wanting folk? Um also, it's called, apparently, I've been calling it Ennis Men. Apparently, in is the Cornish, it, oh. it's Ennis Main. Ennis Main, okay. Which means Apologies. Stone Island, which yeah. is a cool title. It is a cool, I would love to see it. Yeah. I would love to see a very folky Stone Island. And either I'm enjoying this right off the Sorry, line. there's a hot fuzz. What are we, I, think what are, it, I, think, I don't think it is, but it, it, I think it, it, <laughs> my issue with it is that like it is a folk horror, but it's, yeah. it's so much more an action comedy. <laughs> I, yeah, well, okay, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. But it, I think it is drawing but on... But that hysteria, that yeah, kind of, sure. yeah, don't trust the quiet folk, that kind of, love Rural it. setting, yeah, no, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. A little, like, it's quiet like the Wicker Man. something sinister yeah. underneath, yeah. Exactly, and then the, the policeman comes in. It's basically a shot-for-shot shot remake of the Wicker Man. I love that take. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. uh, what else? Lamb. Yeah. That Swedish... Interviewed the yeah. director of that for oh, the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I loved Lamb. I thought Lamb was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think it, Lamb gets so much out of... It's so... The, the effect of having the, sh- the, the, sheep the sheep's baby. head on <laughs> yeah. a, like a the little boots just baby. crack me yeah. up I'm like why like why is everyone so horrified yeah yeah I would love to have I think an animal baby 
uh, rather than a foot, like a real baby. Until that's yeah. Until the, yeah, yeah. Is it yeah? Yeah, because it's like nature's coming back, reclaiming these. They're farmers, aren't they? Are they, are they yeah. farmers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this is it. Like that's another good example of kind yeah. of world horror because that's from Iceland. I think it? it's like I think it is Icelandic. Yeah, because yeah. friend of the pod. Numira Patch. Numira Pass. I can never say. Sorry, sorry. Patch. Let me see. The Blair Witch. I think so. I think it's an obvious one. Yeah, yeah. but it's kind of like the Blair Witch. Yeah, it's folky and it's in the woods, but I think it's more... Oh, yeah, I think it's just more of a straight... I would classify it more as fan footage, straight fan footage than a folk. But it, yeah, but kind of like... The like, Borderlands, like which me and Andrew both watched. Yeah. Uh, Andrew's gone to the bathroom, if you're wondering what I saw. Um, <laughs> We've killed him. Yeah. <laughs> And we're doing, Someone we're has doing to pagan die. ceremonies Someone around this Someone has to sacrifice table. for the pod. No, um, Borderlands is a fan footage movie. Oh, but, um, yeah. And I hadn't thought of it as a folk car, but yeah. then re-watching it, because I saw it pop up in Woodlands, I was like, oh, I should check that out again. And it really plays like a folk car. Yeah. Maybe more, probably more so than the Blair Witch. But I, I think that there's a witch in a, in a woods. There is a witch. Yeah, it's um, very... Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it does. What it's, else? I've got the kill list on there. Have you covered that before list. with your yes, Michael, Michael Smiley? Yes, with Michael Smiley. Yeah. Um, Definite folk no, horror elements. Is, yeah, there is a cult in it. I, but I think he's yeah. made more explicit folk horrors, like yeah. a field in England and in the earth. Yeah. Um, both of which I really like. I'm, uh, it might come up later. Oh, one of them. Yeah. Tantalizing. Um, can I talk about Lair of the White Worm? Please do. Yes. So this is a uh, loose adaptation of Bram Stoker's novel of the same name. Um, it's a 1988 movie. It revolves around Angus Flint, played by a young Peter Capaldi, a Scottish archaeology student excavating the site of a former convent on the Derbyshire bed and breakfast run by the Trent sisters, uh, Eve and Mary, who were played by Catherine Oxenberg and Sammy Davis. That's Sammy with an I, not Sammy Davis the <laughs> in the rat pack. Um, during the work, Angus unearths an unusual skull, which appears to be that of a large snake. And he believes the skull may be connected to the local legend of the Dampton Worm, a mythical snake-like creature from ages past that was said to have been slain by the ancestor of the current lord of the manor, James Dampton, who's played by a very young Hugh Grant. Ooh. And... Um, Basically, the unearthing of the skull has a knock-on effect on all of these characters, as well as Lady Sylvia Marsh, played by Amanda Donahoe, a beautiful and enigmatic wealthy woman who we quickly learn is more than meets the eye and has a link to the damned worm. It's no use your even attempting to scream, dear boy. You see, your vocal cords are paralysed. In fact, your entire nervous system is paralysed. You're a vegetable, metaphorically speaking, of course. The god is not a vegetarian. Now, if you're sitting comfortably, I shall tell you why you must not be afraid to die. To die so that the god may live is a privilege, Kevin. And if you know anything at all about history, you will know that human sacrifice is as old as Dionin himself, whose every death is a rebirth. Into a god ever mightier. Shh. How remiss of me. Should have turned the lights off. I shall have to take precautions, Kevin. Actually, I'm doing you a favor. This movie's a blast, which is really impressive because there's a passage on the Wikipedia page for the novel by Bram Stoker that says, this book is widely considered one of the worst books ever written. And <laughs> like, I've never read it, but and I, I've heard of the movie before, but wasn't aware yeah. that it was a Stoker adaptation. And it's pretty weird considering that like Bram Stoker wrote, you know, Dracula. But like Dracula, 
Is it well written? Yeah. Written? Sorry, Every, well written. Uh, that's kind of like a. I've only read the short story, you know, yeah. Dracula's Guest, but from people I know in our like lit course yeah, who I read, read Dracula were always like, it's not that good. It's, it's so, very long. It's um, very long. There's random chapters that are like not necessary and they're like, why are you focusing on this perspective when there's like a whole vampire man upstairs that you can really be focusing <laughs> yeah, on? Sure. Um, but it's like one of the best stories, like concepts for a story, but like the actual book itself is not the best. Bram needs to have a look at himself, I think. Bram? Bram. Well, We're on first day, basically, yeah. <laughs> from the past. Um, but you think, like, having written Dracula... Yeah, he should you, know better. You, you should, well, no, like, <laughs> this other horror story he did would be kind of well-regarded or kind of, like, yeah, yeah. get a lot of adaptations, but it, no. I've never um, heard of that before. But, um, but maybe that's, like, a good thing, because, like, the general consensus for the book seems to be, like, great idea, but the execution and writing isn't up to par. Mm-hmm. And I think that when it comes to, like, remakes or adaptations, maybe more studios or filmmakers should be taking chances on work like that, where... You have a cool jumping off point concept wise, but there's also like lots of room for improvement that like filmmakers mm-hmm. can add their own spin on and elements to and kind of yeah. like improve. And I think that's basically the case for this adaptation because it was made by legendary cool filmmaker Ken Russell, who I know. Have you ever seen Altered States? An amazing no. kind of yeah. trippy 80s horror with William Hurt. Really, really good from the writer of Network. Oh, um, okay. It's really, it's very like ambitious and yeah, yeah. amazingly directed, but also like incredibly written. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, he also he's well, well well known in cinema circles for making like Tommy Andrew's oh, back. He's back in the room. Back from the dead. What do you mean I never left? You missed a whole segment. It was great. Um, <laughs> what sudden attack of diarrhea? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. He's not. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, Ken Russell, known in film circles for making um, Tommy, um, the musical, you know, the Who musical, like, sure, plays a mean pinball. You know. The Devils um, as well, right? The Devils, Gothic, which oh, is the movie about yeah. the making of, um, that, you know, that thing where all the writers met up, like, you know, Mary Shelley. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that meeting, oh, Polidori. Yeah. Um, he also did these kind of controversial D.H. Lawrence adaptations, like Women in Love and the Rainbow, but very idiosyncratic filmmaker whose adult themes, dark comedy and sexual religious imagery, you know, often caused controversy. Mm. And it kind of makes him the right guy to, though, to make like a trashy horror movie. Mm-hmm. And he himself said like, disappointed by the novel but liked that it's horror took place in Derbyshire in England as opposed to Transylvania and he like incorporated more elements of this real life English folktale the Lambton Worm into its screenplay Dampton Worm is based on the Lambton Worm mm-hmm. and what I love about the Lair of White Worm is that it's this rollicking adventure movie about this ragtag group who must take down like a giant snake like monster and the immortal seductive priestess that works for it and can turn people into snake vampires type of film you could watch with friends over beers on a Friday night and have a great time but also doesn't skimp on the kind of like Russell weirdness so like yeah, yeah. in this Derbyshire town the slaying of the Dampton Worm that happened in the past is celebrated every year with a big party and we learn about the myth through an Irish punk band performing a song about the worm that's performed in full and that's how we introduce <laughs> to Hugh Grant's character like it's it's very playful um, there's also a scene in which Hugh Grant's character tries to hypnotize and lure out the snake vampires by playing a vinyl record of Turkish snake charming music but the snake vampires cut off the power in his mansion and like steal the record so then they're like oh no we're screwed and then Peter Capaldi starts playing the same tune on bagpipes <laughs> and it works and he's like running around on the bagpipes but keeps going out of breath and like stops playing it's really really funny and there are also these like really striking dream and flashback sequences it's quite body and lurid in certain places there's some big swings tonally like some scenes are just hilarious um Parts of it don't make sense. Peter Capaldi at the end of the movie just has a hand grenade and it's never explained how he got it. It's literally the Anchorman joke. You know, it's like, where'd you get a hand grenade, Brick? I don't know. Um, 
but it's and it's also kind of a trip just seeing like people like Hugh Grant, Peter Capaldi, Gina McKee from Line of Duty has a small Ooh, memorable role yeah. at the end of the movie. Um, they're also young, so yeah, no, it's well worth watching. I really liked mm-hmm. it. Ooh, yeah, recommend. And there's only a, like another great thing with folk horror, like apart from like Midsummer, they're mm. all like ninety minutes. I know it's oh, great. It's yeah. a dream. It's a real now, treat. Watching yeah. Woodlands. Dark and Daisy, Daisy which is you know, how much yeah. is that? Three hundred and fifty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. I remember I saw it on uh, like the Harathon a yeah, few years I ago. Yeah, I remember I was there as well. Yeah, yeah I yeah. didn't realize how long it was. I was like, it's going to be like a two-hour documentary, and then once you get to the two and a half hour mark, you're like, okay, there's obviously like when they start listing the fog and stuff, like we could have. There's a couple on the list that are like questionable. Yeah, I remember yeah. you were sitting right up the front. Oh God, I was like the, at the edge of a row. Yeah. It was it was COVID as well. You yeah. could have taken any seat. I know. I don't yeah. know. Why I had a three hour, a three and a half hour folk horror <laughs> <Yeah>. documentary. <laughs> And you were there like, oh, I did not I want to what, yeah. And you, we went to more movies that day as well. I didn't yeah. know what, what condition your neck was in at the end of it. Was, Last it time we hung out, we, were, we saw Talk to Me at the press screen. Yeah. And we had those horrible scenes. <laughs> Just because we were late. Because I movie. saw it yeah. with my friends like a week later and yeah. we were right smack back in the middle. I was like, oh, this is much better. Yeah, yeah. yeah we the, <laughs> Crane. It was like this in the support. The image yeah, is like yeah, distorted. Yeah. Like It was like, cool. Um, we talked about the Borderlands. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. It's Talk um, to Me, folk horror. No, absolutely no. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. No. I liked yeah. it though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Borderlands. So this is a, a 2013 British fan footage, but also folk horror film. It's also called Final Prayer in some places, which is probably a better title, I'd say. Very much so. Borderlands, shite. Yeah. Unless Devon is like a ren- is renowned for its borders, yeah, which sure. I don't think it is. Oh, but centered around three men: a Catholic priest played by Irish actor Aidan McArdle, brother for the Catholic Church played by Gordon Kennedy, and a tech expert played by uh, Ben Wheatley regular Robin Hill who are assigned uh, by the Vatican to investigate a 13th century recently opened church located in the Devon countryside that is rumored to be the site of a miracle. At first, the trio clash about whether or not the miracle reports could be true. However, a series of strange occurrences in the rural area and the church lead the men to believe that not a miracle, but something very sinister is afoot. Mm. Um, I'm going to add in a clip from Borderlands now, which I think is important in conveying its tone and also like its relationship to Fokar. But the only version I could find online contains beeps over the swears. So here we go. You ever, you, ever, you ever known any Buddhists, Deacon? Sorry? You ever known any Buddhists? I had a girlfriend who was a Buddhist, right? She did a vow of silence. It was f***ing brilliant. You know the accelerator? It's not an on-off button, Gray. It's it's something you can press and, and depress gently. Yeah, we're just turning around. There we go. Thanks, mate! Uh, are we there yet? No, the sat in that It's just taking us in a massive circle. Oh. Yeah, what's this fellow here? Yeah. That's he looks like an agreeable it. local bumpkin type. Hi, uh, can you tell us where the church is, Randy, please? Yeah, like, you know, it's a big pointy building with a spire on top. Please be quiet. God's house! Please be quiet. Uh, his name's Father Krellick. Uh, right. Okay. Well, uh, thanks very much for your time. Sorry to sorry to bother you. Have a cracking day, mate. Good luck with Edward Woodward. What do you think of the Borderlands? I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. I watched it. Um, it's hard for me to find time to watch horror films. And oh, I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> I do a no, better different podcast. I, 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 no, it, and it's it's no knock against them, but both my housemates hate them. 
So I can only really watch them alone. And I do find it easier to watch them on a TV because mm. that way it's less distracting. Like you're watching something on a laptop, it's a smaller screen, you're kind of, you're a bit more hunched, you know, yeah. whatever. Anyway, um, so I watched I watch this at like half 11, at, half, from half 11 at night to one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so my recollections of it may be a bit hazy, but from what I saw all the horror bits really great yep. yeah I think and I really liked all the it's got great character detail and then I looked up the director who's uh, Elliot Goldner is his name and all he's made since is like episodes from the show Banged Up Abroad and stuff yeah, like and that a, and a lot of kind of like gig. Yeah. those like horror documentaries you know like that you'd find on like Channel Terror 5. in the Lake or yeah, something yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I think is why the found footage stuff in the movie is really good yeah. particularly yeah. the end which the last 15 minutes of this are like proper nightmare inducing yeah, where yeah. you're like it's the best stuff about fan footage where you're like is that a shadow what am I seeing yeah, yeah and then when yeah. the penny drops you're just like oh my, oh my god, god. Yeah, yeah 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 real like props for not for the monster of the of the borderlands not being some like craggy skinny old man made of wood creeping out of the shadows <laughs> or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. it also seems to be though, like I'm not an expert in this but the monster reveal seems to hearken to like a real English folklore story Oh. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm but, not um, up on Devon's folklore. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully sure I never will fast, be. Yeah, yeah. Fast folklore. Um, I, what I really like about this movie is the kind of build where mm, at yeah, the first 15 yeah. minutes of it is like a straight up comedy. Yeah, of, yeah. Because you have this like two very, guys very to... solemn religious people mm. and then Grey who is not religious at all no. and like does not really respect them too much. Yeah, or he, yeah. He'll just like He's not treating them with any sort of like speciality or like grace yeah. or whatever. Like he's just swearing in a car, being like, "I'm oh, fucking sat now." <laughs> like, yeah. Um, there's that amazing bit which ties it to folk horror, I think, where um, they get lost on the way to the church and they're driving and they pull down the window and like ask a local for directions and the local just kind of like stares at them and doesn't say anything. Mm. And the brother is like, "Okay, no, sorry for bothering you. Thanks so much." And he shouts back like, "Have fun with Edward Woodward." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I saw an interview with Gardner where he was like, a lot of that stuff was improvised with Robin Hill and that he was watching the dailies and he was like, is this like Peep Show? <laughs> like, are we making a horror movie here? Because it's so funny. But everything just is like part of the plot. Just like a little bit more creepy, a little yeah, bit more creepy, yeah. a little bit more creepy. And then builds that like yeah. killer last 15 minutes. That bit where the, there's a uh, Robin is outside having a smoke or Grey is outside having a smoke. And then a, a Rottweiler is just there biting his arm. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, <laughs> and then um, it's gone. There's also like a really great bit in this movie where um, the not particularly religious like you know Grey um, which is kind of cool in like a change of place is that like he's the one who's like I don't think it's a hoax and the religious yeah, people are yeah. like no it's a hoax they're cynics yeah, we've yeah. seen so they much people like this yeah, yeah. yeah. and but um, Grey's talking to the brother uh, who's named Deacon about the differences between paganism and Christianity and he's like, like the people that came before you lot like the pagans the druids the Aztecs or whatever like they believed in stuff that was real like they had the moon the sea the stars the sun they worship what was there physically there whereas you're choosing to believe and worship the great what if and he adds like my point is if there was going to be a fight between something that was there and something that wasn't there I know what side I'd bet on and I think that's kind of a good synopsis for what plays out a lot in folk horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of reminds me of that line in uh, The Wicker Man where they're like, "You've got to get God." It's like God had his chance. Yeah, <laughs> God had his chance. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's cool that folk horror and found footage have a lot of crossover with. There's like the Borderlands, there's like the Blair Witch Project, A Night in the Woods, Noroi the Curse, The Wailing, The Medium, and Incantation, and they all keep a foot in both genres. I think. Just thought I thought it was yeah, interesting. No, 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 yeah, a good connection yeah, 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 from sure. our Halloween episode last year. 
Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, sh- I shouted out the Borderlands in that episode last year. is like one of my favorite fan footage movies, mm. but I hadn't yeah. really thought of it as a folk horror until mm. I watched Woodlands and then seeing it there. All was revealed. I was like, yeah. oh, it really is obviously a folk horror. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I said this to Katie already when you were in the bathroom. Um <laughs> We talk about any other horrors you want to talk about before? I was thinking maybe end on the witch. I can do a quick dive into Asian folk horror if you oh, want. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, if you guys want to jump in at any point, no, uh, sure. let, go ahead. So I think a lot of horror in Asia is based in folklore. Um, so there are very few famous slasher or vampire movies in Asia, except for the like the the couple of ones, the jumping vampire movies from like 80s Hong Kong cinema, which are kind of silly, <laughs> um, but still a bit of fun. Um, whereas everyone in the rest will, everyone in the West even will recognize a woman with stringy black hair wearing a robe as Sayoko from Ringo, Ringu, even if it's not Sayoko from Ringu. Um, and persistent across all folk horror in Southeast Asia is the figure of a woman in white. While her origins often vary, her status as an angry, vengeful ghost is pretty consistent. So, like you know, there's the there's the one in the Wailing, there's the one in which she's actually a good guy, maybe mm, yes, yeah. perhaps depending mm. on depending on how you how you view that situation. Um, there's Ringu, there's the Grudge. Um, Kwaidan, Onibaba, all those. Um, and demons and gods from various religions, be they Buddhism, Shintoism, or some offshoot of an ancient long-hidden tribe, often make an appearance as well to even even more horrifying effect. And whereas in Western folk horror, the natural order or vengeful spirit or evil cult will only punish those that transgress, no one is ever really spared in Eastern folk horror. Like, uh, the wailing spares no pity for its wholesome and all-too-human family in its finale. Whole families are wiped out in the medium. An abortion clinic is used as a sacrifice farm in Noroi the Curse. Incantation supposedly curses the viewer themselves, which in fairness is probably real, as nothing's gone right for me since, since I saw that movie. Um, <laughs> and exceptionalism is its, own for, is its own form of exoticism, but I feel I'm safe in saying that Asian folk horror films are at least more unforgiving than their Western counterparts, but I also think they're better too. Sure. Yeah. They just just slap harder. They do. They slap harder. You're, every time. Every time I watch one, I feel like I've been punched in the gut. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other little ones I enjoyed. Like in general, just folky. I like the ritual. Oh, I did yeah. a few. Um, yeah, like you know what the ritual. Yeah. The ritual has something. Yeah. I read. I read the book that that's based on, and you know the bit where he's like captured by the cult. Mm-hmm. In the book, it's actually like this really immature teenage heavy metal band that kidnap him <laughs> and they're under the thrall of this weird goat woman yeah. who uh, is the child of the giant deer thing deer demon monster. thing in the woods yeah and uh, yeah the book is better I think but yeah. the creature design of the ritual is so cool I was going to say that's very unique I think I've never really seen something that big before <laughs> yeah. in a folk horror they're usually like Kids and masks and yeah, yeah. Um, deers and stuff, but that is a hefty monster. Mm. I like Apostle. Oh, the right. yeah, yeah. Apostle is good. It goes really hard. It does yeah. go really hard. I kind of I find it after like the focus of the raid and the raid two. Some would say the raid it doesn't have any focus, but I would say it's as focused as the raid. <laughs> but uh, I think it's sort of a little bit uh, looser and baggier, maybe. But sure. um, yeah. I just think, think it goes fucking hard. That, yeah. that bit where the Welsh guy's like, bring forth the heathen stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they just drill a, go in the, a hole in the guy's head. I was going to say, the, yeah. the bit with the big screw. Yeah. Um, we, we haven't we talked about Midsummer. Oh, God, what yeah. Are we, what are our thoughts on Midsummer? Too damn long. Yeah. Um, I haven't even sorry, seen gonna, the director's cut. Too damn long. I've never seen the director's cut. No, me neither. I'm thinking of watching it for this, yeah. but then time got away from me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 
I think it's a movie that's grown in my head since I saw. I think we saw that together as well. We did. And oh I, my god! Yeah. I reviewed it for Head Stuff, and I, I re- reread my review to see like, do I stand by it? And I pretty much do. I where to read mine. I think it's a gorgeous looking movie. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's really great about it. Mm-hmm. Parts that are very spooky and like imagery from it is like burned into my head. But I do struggle a little bit with like I don't think Danny and Christian feel like real characters, and I think Aster has this problem where it's like the direction is so great and I really want to love the movies and I think sometimes his plot he it's a bit baggy and he does these things which I think undercut the horror elements because yeah. like there's yeah. the whole bit of Midsummer where you see the drawings on the wall and it basically explains everything that's going to happen in the movie yeah. and it's funny but you're <laughs> yeah. also a bit like well no that's kind of taking a lot of the tension out of the movie for yeah, me yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember I did enjoy it I love how it's set entirely the day and that's, that's another big yeah. thing in folk horror yeah. a lot of yeah. it is like daytime horror and which is terrifying in itself. Yeah. Um, you're right about the characters, Danny in particular, and like Chris. Yeah, like he's a dick, but there's no. It's like he starts off at 100 and he never. There's no ebbs and flows yeah. with his. And I think dickery. Rainer is bringing, yeah. trying to bring so much to it, but the character. I think is, it's a real brave role to do, especially yeah. The, yeah. the fucking. Yeah. The, it's not an orgy, I guess, but it, yeah, yeah. the the lady singing while he's just. Yeah, but his eyes at the Dude's end when he mm. his fate is sealed, it's like you sort of feel for him. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, well, that's true. Because yeah. yeah, you don't know. Obviously, he's a bad guy. He's a dick. He's just a terrible boyfriend. And like the cult are killing people. But yeah, again, it's this grey area where like, oh, I don't really know who yeah. to root for. That's mm. why I think the a, dire- a director's cut yeah. might improve the movie where if there is a bit more scenes where they act mm-hmm. more like a couple. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, like, I think people who are fans of the movie will uh, will say that like the point is that they shouldn't be together. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. you know, it's just like it's like Will Poulter is greatness. Oh, he's so amazing. good. So every everyone line, needs to lie down with me right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So accurate if you've ever been on drugs. <laughs> mm. um, oh God, there's another person coming. <laughs> you just got back to normal and then someone else comes you in the got, room. You guys all see that bear too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's a great film and, but yeah, it's not, it, maybe that's just what modern folk horror is. There's like an element of detachment, I suppose, with, well, in Midsummer, I find, especially since like all the characters you're meant to care about all get killed off screen yeah. and that kind of is a bit jarring and, Confusing, I think. Like you want to see them get murdered by the by the cult. Mm, mm. Um, I just on Midsummer though. Like yeah. I, I think what's strange about that movie is that it's had real staying power. And that like I've been to Halloween parties where people have dressed as oh yeah Danny and Christian, the like Maid Christian Queen. in the bear costume mm. and her as the May Queen. I've seen Good I know costume. people who like Midsummer tattoos. Mm. Um, so maybe we do need to revisit that. It's yeah, very well maybe. researched. Yeah. Like yeah. it's kind of like Ari Aster and uh, Robert Eggers. Like they do commit to the bit. Like they yeah, do a lot yeah. of research, and it's very yeah, needy and the production design. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. I think yeah. that's what helps a lot. Yeah, um, and it's very rooted in like the world setting. Yeah, I love the bit at the end. Uh, I think it's one of my favorite like cruel jokes in a movie where he's like he's giving this one of the sacrifices syrup that'll like paralyze him and paralyze his nerves, and he's like. <laughs> For the pain, and your man's like, okay. And then, you know, they set the thing on fire, and your man's just there, like, ah! Ah! Yeah, yeah. oh God, the pain! <laughs> we were watching it on Sunday because I think it's a very cathartic, girly, whirly movie where you just, if you're feeling sad on Sunday, you just mm-hmm. like cry it out and laugh and scream it out. And we all kind of were like, that's so funny, he had the pain thing. That's. But we all kind of agree, like, if you were getting burned, it, that would kind of kick in. Still. Isn't like mm. the worst way to die? But it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
the giddy mania of Midsummer. I like the kind of sense yeah. of like escalating yeah, like, yeah. mania. Yeah, yeah the bit really where they like. plant William Jackson Harper's foot in a flower bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just just chaotic for no yeah. reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love all the extra scenes. I think the extras in it did great. Like when they're burning, when that guy is screaming, burning in the little teepee thing, mm. and they're all just losing it because they're feeling his pain. I guess. Yeah, but it's like yeah. you put him there. What's that about? You know, you're just kind of like, you're, they're in their feelings. Yeah. Everyone's in their feelings in that film, except Danny, because she's avoiding her feelings. Mm, yeah, that's very yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Um, we hit, hit the witch. Hit the witch. Hit the witch. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have the pot? I do, yeah. <clears throat> A Puritan family is banished from their colony in 1630s New England for perceived blasphemy. Out in the wilderness, eldest daughter Thomason, played by Anya Taylor Joy, loses sight of her baby brother Sam, and he is carried off into the deep, dark woods. By witch or by wolf, we don't know. From there, the, well, we find out. Uh, from there, the family unit begins to crumble as crops rot in the fields. Mother Catherine, played by Kate Dickey, becomes unhinged in her grief, and Father William, played by Ralph Enison, pridefully refuses to abandon the land he claims is paradise, even as his children fall under the sway of the witch in the wood and the sinister family goat, Black Philip. I be a washing father's clothes like a slave, and thou art playing idle. Because mother hates you. Spoilt child. Tell mother you have left the farm alone. Black Philip says I can do what I like. Devil take your Black Philip. Sure thought I can't leave the yard. I could go to the brook before you let the witch take Sam. Quiet thee. It were a wolf stole Sam. A witch. I've seen her in her riding cloak about the wood. Father showed me the tracks. It was a witch. Aye. It was a witch, Mercy. You speak a right. Thomason! It was I. Liar. Twas I what stole him. I be the witch of the wood. Liar. Liar. I am. Listen not to a mercy. I am that very witch. When I sleep, my spirit slips away from my body and dances naked with the devil. That's how I signed his book. No. He bade me bring him an unbaptized babe. So I stole Sam and I gave him to my master. And I'll make any man or thing else vanish I like. No. Aye. And I'll vanish thee too if thou displeaseth me. Be quiet. Mercy! She's but telling fantasies. A chance will boil and bake thee. Since we're a lack of food. No! Stop Thomason! It's not true! I think this movie's pretty flawless. Yeah. 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 The thing that sealed the deal for me was th- with this film. There's like the scene after they're banished from they're in the hood on hut on trial. They're in the hood. They're, they're in the hood. <laughs> they're in the hood on trial, um, which is a bad place to be on trial. But no, um, there's a, they're in an IRA kangaroo court. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> cut all of this. They're after they've been tried in the hut and they're leaving the colony in their cart mm-hmm. and they're heading towards the tall, dark pine forest of New England. You, you're instantly like hind brain. You're like these people are fucked. No one's getting out of this yeah. alive. But they're happy. It's like yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're like they don't know. Yeah, they don't know what's yeah, coming. Yeah. They can't. And I don't music. know. I don't know what's coming either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. I know deep lizard brain shit. Yeah. They're fucked. Yeah, I think we watched it together. Did we see it together? In the I cinema? think we did. Oh my God, you look at us! That was to see all our folk horrors together. Yeah, you're my horror friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. What threw me on a rewatch, particularly having watched just a, like a bunch of period set horrors for a Vincent Price episode, is that like 
for whatever reason, like a lot of horror set in the past have a sense of artificiality. Mm. And I like there could be a lot of reasons for that, like the budget it costs to recreate the past. I also think horror is sort of looked down upon and like I think creatives don't really feel the same pressure to like perfectly recreate the past as they would if they're making like a historical drama or like yeah. period, you know, drama or like a mm. Jane Austen adaptation or something. But um I whatever for reason is like the Witch is like one of the few period horrors I can think of in terms of its costumes, its settings, the way its characters act and speak that actually feels like it's set in the past. Mm. And like the movie does end with that like postscript that says like this film was inspired by many folk tales, fairy tales and written accounts of historical witchcraft, including journals, diaries and court records. Much of the dialogue comes directly from these period sources. And I think it really does feel like that. Mm. Yeah. And I, the, the movie I kept thinking of watching this was Barry Lyndon. Mm. Because yeah, like, I only saw that recently. Oh yeah, yeah, it's really fucking good. Ireland's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like a all the, cold, the lighting is. Right I found, but I think that'll improve. That'll warm up on yeah further rewatches. It's really funny. Ten years from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but like the way like the indoor scenes in The Witch are only lit by candles. Yeah, yeah. Um, the painterly quality mm. of the movie. But I also just think in general, there's like a real Kubrickian level of care and detail in The Witch yeah, that frankly yeah. isn't in a lot of horror. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean the bit where like. It's just a tracking. I think it's a tracking shot just behind the family, or it's or it's just one. It's focused on Thomason as her father is like. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, our kin, our father's houses, for what? For what? And you're like, who the fuck? What? This is like, yeah. I've never heard dialogue like this no, before yeah. in my life. I think it's a good use, like Robert Eggers. It's it's kind of similar in the lighthouse where he purposely chooses this hard to understand dialogue, so mm. you can't really cover your face. And you have to watch the horror because mm. like, you're like, oh, yeah. I don't really know what they're saying. Then you kind of get used to it. Like you become like, oh, my God, I'm bilingual. Yeah. I'm understanding this old folky English. Um, but it's interesting. And it's another kind of testament of his dedication to realism by having that script so difficult mm. <laughs> to understand. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I love it as a whole film. I think it's the more it's one of those films that I, it's only a few films that I think I watch rewatch so much and enjoy it every single time if not more Yeah, mm. you always take away more after every, it's like Parasite as well like the more you watch Parasite the more you watch The Witch the more you're like oh that little corner over there is yeah. moving and this is doing something else yeah because I remember seeing it with you and yeah. having a real sense of like I have no idea where this is going and like Absolutely, trying yeah. to understand mm. and not really realise until the end that it, it's sort of you know how Thomas Shin got her groove back yeah, yeah. yeah. but um, <laughs> re- her re-watching it Every character is like the parents are so annoying, mm. but you also always completely know why they're acting the way they yeah. are, and you also at times feel empathy for them. Yeah, you know, yeah. like Kate Dickey and yeah. Kate Ralph. I have a they're well rounded for both of you guys. Yeah. I presume you you guys uh, have been watching. I think horror movies probably a lot longer than I have been. I only started when I was like nineteen with sure. proper horror. Babadook was the first sophisticated like, horror. Yeah, yeah, well, the Babadook was the first like you're Jen proper. Ortega and Scream Five, right? <laughs> yeah. You're like the Babadook is real horror. No, no, no. I'm just like I just that's just where I started. You know, everything before that was like the Cabin in the Woods or Goosebumps, sure. yeah, you know, yeah, Kitty yeah, or yeah. comedy yeah, horror. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a long decade, the 2010s. Yeah, <laughs> um, but. Do you find yourselves becoming more, you know, desensitized the more horror you watch, you know? Absolutely. And it takes, I like, think something. so, yeah. To, you, they need to keep ratcheting it up in order to scare you. Yeah, yeah. and The Witch definitely did that. I yeah. Mean, we were watching the, it the first time with the baby jam. I was yeah, like, fuck yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah. That, they're not messing that around. where she's like, baby and she, peekaboo, yeah. where's Sam? And then the baby's gone. Yeah. And you just, the camera looks up and there's just a tree shaking in the distance. Yeah. Pure cinema. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but every time I, re- I watch it, that scene with uh, 
I can't remember his name. I think, is it Henry? Is the middle son's yes. name? Har- Harvey Scrimshaw is the Incredible actor anyway. Yeah. Mm. Great performance, yeah. But that scene never fails to like put the heebie-jeebies up me. The bit where he's like um, praying to God as he's dying. Like, in, like a fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pukes, up pukes up the apple. Pukes up the apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, no, 100%. I, I've had this conversation with many people where it's like, I kind of feel like horror doesn't scare me anymore because mm. I've seen so much of it. But then once in a while, something will come out like the possession scene and talk to me where you're just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Or... <laughs> Like that played so well. What, yeah. we um, what I really like as well about The Witch is that like the supernatural elements of the movie, like this kind of demonic or like witchy threat lurking in the forest feels like a real extension of the tension already within the family, like when they go into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like yeah, more yeah. pressure to yeah. their fraying bonds. But it also doesn't have the problem I have with a lot of modern horror where the supernatural elements are nakedly a representation of what the movie's mm. theme is. Yeah. Like, it's They're not like an external threat. Yeah, it's not like yeah. we vanquished the witch and now the family is a happy unit again. Yeah, like, it's yeah. not that yeah. movie. And I remember seeing it in the cinema with you, Katie, and just really being like knocked out by it. And mm-hmm. everything at the end of it feels purposeful and like it was meant to be there but in the moment it feels really freewheeling which is really exciting mm. yeah yeah yeah. it's um, he just knocks it was that his first film as well first yeah. film yeah. yeah and I hasn't missed I don't think yeah I, no. uh, can't wait for Nosferatu yeah yeah well, the Very North exciting. then I was like ah I kind of love the Northman. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah. 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 I thought I, I love how weird more. the Northman is for yeah. but it's also like a kind of kick-ass action yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's very I was annoyed that it was so simplistic, but I guess that for Norse sagas back in the day, that kind of was mm, yeah. very accurate to The this. Nicole Kidman stuff in the Northman is where I'm like, is this movie a masterpiece? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to, before just wrapping up, highlight, um, I saw this great review of Woodland's documentary, mm. but I think it's like a good bow on like the whole kind of conversation about folklore. Yeah. It was, um, you know, the Irish filmmaker Paul Duan. On Letterboxd, he had a review of the doc, and um, he really encapsulated what I love about it and what I love about folk horror, and he said, By the end, uh, the film's argument seemed to me to be a broader one, which I'm very much in sympathy with. The horror film is the conscience and unconscious of global humanity, whether in Brazil, Japan, England, or the US. It's hard for anyone to watch this and say that the work being done by filmmakers is unimportant when the argument of the editing and sequencing here displays how horror has repeatedly dealt with some of the most pressing issues our world faces, even if sometimes the material used have been abject. Fundamentally, I'm just very happy to see a genre I love treated with respect by people who clearly love it as much as I do. I think that's a yeah. really mm. tight yeah. definition or like review of like the strengths of the movie, but yeah. also like what makes horror really special. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mike drop. Mike drop. Yeah. Any more horror movies or will we pick our five favorites? Oh God. Um let's move on to five favorites. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because uh, I didn't write one down, so I mean, Stephen, you go first. <laughs> like I'll first. Up this list I'm gonna make heads. Andrew's yeah. eyes roll by yeah, picking yeah. a TV show. Um The Third Day. Ooh. Did you ever see this? Um, um, this is uh, the HBO series starring Jude Law, Naomi Harris, Catherine Waterston, Patty Considine, Emily Watson, many more. Came from uh, some of the creatives behind Utopia, oh, a show that yeah. we both liked. Loved. Um, it's I remember be- you talking to me about this. Yeah, it begins uh, with this very troubled man played by Jude Law at his best because he, he's so good at playing these like very charming characters who also seem like slightly off, like slightly too slick, like they're hiding like a dark side. Uh, but he's drawn to this mysterious island off the English coast that he can only access by car at the low sea tide, where he encounters a group of islanders set on preserving their traditions at any cost. What I love about the show, brilliant cast, incredibly atmospheric and eerie direction, and um, has this really unique structure where the first few episodes were set in summer on the island and focused on Law's character, mm-hmm. and everything is very like bright and beautiful and idyllic, whereas the last three took place in winter and introduced a new character played by Naomi Harris. 
um, whose story like eventually intersects with Lost, but like the winter stuff is completely like different to the summer. Like the, the vibe is off. Like everything just feels like decaying and mm-hmm. cold and the show probably went on a bit too long but the high points like particularly the first two episodes are like sky high and like every once in a while I'm like I should rewatch that but it's hard with TV because like mm. six hours you know and I like movies yeah um, four I'm gonna pick Company of Wolves oh um, yeah is only f- right that I honor a folk horror with an Irish connection and yeah we put out a couple of good ones like I mm-hmm. really like The Hollow Without Name the Lorcan Finnegan's debut movie yeah. is pretty good but um yeah, Neil Jordan's Company of Wolves is adaptation of Angela Carter's short story of the same name, which is basically like a darker reimagining of the fairy tale, uh, Little Red Riding Hood. I think Jordan's my favorite Irish director, um, incredible body of work. The best of it kind of blends darkly psychological rich stories. You're more likely to find in art house movies with a mainstream sensibility. And I think that's really visible in The Company of Wolves, um, which was a second movie and a breakthrough film internationally. Very ambitious in how it like weaves multiple stories together and how the symbolism of the film is really at the fore, both in terms of the story and the visuals. But also, it looks so gorgeous and has just enough horror elements that I think most people who watch it would get something out of it. And it was critically adored and a hit upon release. Three, I'm going to pick Field in England. Mm. Talked about how much I love Ben Wheatley mm-hmm. as a director before, particularly in our Michael Smiley episode. He's made three films that could be classified as folk horror or have folk horror elements. Kill List, which I love, although I'd call more of a crime film that descends mm. into folk horror. Mm. Me and Kay were talking about this earlier. In the Earth, his COVID-19 movie, which is pretty good, particularly its first half. Particularly his first half. Yeah, yeah. it kind of goes off the rails. But, yeah. but um, I think the best one is a field, the best folk horror, at least, is the yeah, field in England. Certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. A tale of civil war deserters in 17th century England who flee into the English field and stumble upon hallucinogenic mushrooms and a sinister Irish alchemist played by Michael Smiley. Very funny, very trippy, filled with creepy black and white imagery that's just burrowed into my brain and stay there. Two, Wicker Man, for all the reasons I said earlier. Mm-hmm. One, The Witch, for all the reasons I said earlier. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, number five for me is um, the hole in the ground. I was oh, only talking. Yeah, yeah. I was only talking to my mum yeah. about it last night, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, God. And you said Irish connection, and I'm uh, coming with up with this list off the top of my head. Yeah. So uh, the Irish ones usually do always have they're more mythical or supernatural. Yeah, they're yeah, kind of yeah. I haven't thought of it as folk horror, but it totally is. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, I think it fits the bill, yeah. and that bit with uh, all the changelings at the end, um, you can see oh, so you're like, oh, this guy. Can, do, can direct <laughs> Evil Dead Rise and boy did he direct Evil Dead Rise um, certainly did yeah uh, number four Eyes of Fire that's a really good movie yeah. I'm sorry I'm just sorry I was hung over and not stoned I rage when I watched Alison's yeah. poxy birthday now uh, <laughs> for all the reasons I said earlier but also because it feels like so out of time in a decade and yet so in in, in the 80s and yet so like prevalent to that decade and beyond um, number three The Wicker Man just for how weird it is yeah just because for daring to make a folk horror movie a musical yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to end the podcast by singing the song at the end <laughs> um, number two Incantation Mm-hmm. Sick movie, yeah, really, really, really yeah. evil and mean movie. Especially because you're involved in it. It's like a, it's like a Bandersnatch, but good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number one, The Witch. Great, Katie. Do you have a five or? Don't feel under pressure. Mm. Oh, God, they're all your babies. They're, yeah. They're, how can you how can you decide? Um, let me see. I think five. It'd be controversial. I'll throw Pet Cemetery there because it's quite entertaining. The, 90s the original one. or the, the original? Yeah. yeah. It's not full folk, but it's it's funny enough. Mm. Um, the ritual I quite like the Swedish one. Um, number three, number three. I'm going to throw Blood of Satan's Claw. 
Nice. Yeah. Needs some love. Needs more yeah. love. Yeah. And I just think it's, yeah, I'll put Blood of Satan's Claw number three and then The Witch number two. Ooh. Because I think Blood of Satan's Claw walked so the witch could fly. Okay. Ooh, it was yeah, all about the yeah. witchy women that kind of paved the way for Anna Taylor Joy's character Thompson to just slay. Yeah, and it's yeah they go really well together. Two two girls just trying to make deal with their, their sexuality. The world, yeah. You know, Anna Taylor Joy team. just start out at the gate. I'm yeah. So happy yeah. That, that yeah. If it is working out for her. yeah, and I think the Wicker Man would be my number one because it was my first proper introduction to folk mm. horror, and actually. The very, very first one would have been the Watership Dam, I guess, as a child. Bright, Bright eyes burning like fire. Eyes of fire. Eyes of fire. Eyes, eyes, yeah, eyes. it's all there. It's all, it's all, it's all good. We're, we brought it back around, folks. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> On that. Email I know the at gmail.com if you'd like to reach out to the show. Follow us Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please leave us an iTunes rating if you'd be so kind. For those who want more of the pod, sign up to Headstuff Plus, just five euro plus tax a month, where you can listen to exclusive bonus episodes of the show. Our new sub-series about unconventional modern action stars, titled <laughs> Stars for Rent. I struggled to kind of like w- way of capsulizing it, yeah, but I think that's yeah. okay. It's good. recently launched there with an episode of an Ethan Hawke vehicle, 24 Hours to Live. <laughs> uh, we also have another episode already recorded that'll be coming out soon. Um, Andrew, where can people find more of your work? You can find me at the Headstuff Gaming section, where we talk about what we play, why we play, and how we play it. And at fortnightfrights.wordpress.com, where I'm talking about the most influential horror movies over the last 100 years. Damn, that's impressive. I know, yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm stuck on 1950 at the minute because I can't fucking find any. There was none released in that year. No! Oh, 1950? Yeah. Peeping Tom? That was 1960, I think. Oh, yeah. balls. Yeah. What about Carnival Souls? I think that's a little later on, but... Oh, um, I'll find I'll figure it out anyway. We, we can do yeah. it that's the a challenge for the yeah, listeners yeah. if anyone yeah, can find... Yeah. Yeah. Andrew a good 1950s yeah. horror Katie anything I have to plug I have nothing to plug except my non-genius I suppose <laughs> um, yeah I'm not really on Twitter it's yeah I'm not really on Twitter I'm on X you on X I'm on it. oh shit sorry X uh, no, apologies no. Elon um, <laughs> on Instagram doing bits film feeds kind of dead but will rise again I'm sure mm, absolutely film not by this time this episode comes out <laughs> check me out at Joe.D see you later Sunfalls bye bye ciao This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.